Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. We had spoken about the story of Elisha described in the Navi and the Prophets, where Elisha said to a woman, you will have a son this time next year, and so it was. As he said, so it was. In connection to that, there is a wonderful story about the Bardichever, I believe Yitzchak of Bardichev. In his congregation, in his city, in Poland, Hanukkah was celebrated with great festivities. The lighting of the menorah was an event that was joyful with singing, with dancing for hours. One year, Rabbi Yitzchak, who was also the, uh, the legal rabbi of the community, he dealt with legal questions, was very consumed by a complicated civil, law, civil suit that uh, was kind of dampening his enjoyment of the menorah lighting and the joy of the event. And he said almost to himself, but out loud, if someone would relieve me of this, of this burden, I would share my portion in the world to come with him, my portion in heaven. One chassid knew an opportunity when he saw one, and he said to Rebbe Yitzchak, how much is the disputed amount? What are they, what are they fighting over? And he said it was about 400 ruble, which was a, a lot of money in those days. The man said, if I give you the 400 ruble, can you just settle the case that way? And he said, sure, that would be, that would be fine. So he ran home and he brought 400 ruble and he gave it to Rebbe Yitzchak, who was very relieved and tuned his attention to the lighting of the menorah and it was a great and, and festive event that year. When everybody else had left, this chassid waited to see how this, uh, how this deal with Reb Levi Yitzchak is going to be completed. Reb Levi Yitzchak called him into his room and wrote a little note on a piece of paper and handed it to him and said, make sure that this is buried with you, but don't read it. So the man, being a very sincere, honest individual, sewed the note into the cover, the cloth cover of his siddur, of his prayer book, the one that he used every day all his life. In his later years, 
this man decided that he wanted to be buried in Israel. And so he made the long, difficult journey to the Holy Land. And soon after he arrived there, he took ill. And when the Hever Kadisha, the burial society, came to make arrangements, he mentioned to them that the, the Siddur that he uses every day must be buried with him. And they made a note of it. A year later, when the illness uh, seemed to be terminal, and he felt that his last days were approaching, he again called the Hevre Kadisha, the burial society, to make final arrangements, and again emphasized very strongly the, the need or the importance of burying the Siddur with him. And they became curious, and they asked him why the Siddur needed, had to be buried with him. And so he said, it's because I have a note there from Rablevi Yitzchak of Bardichev, because he promised me that uh, I, would, I would share his portion in the world to come. And he had made me promise not to read it. The members of the burial society in Jerusalem were all very holy people who studied Kabbalah. And they were sure that what, what was written on that note would be some Kabbalistic formula that was known only to the holiest of men and that they would benefit greatly by reading it and, uh, and becoming more knowledgeable in, uh, in this Kabbalist, Kabbalistic matter. They were very tempted to, uh, to open the, uh, the binding and read what their Yitzchak had written. They were somewhat concerned with the fact that he had made the, uh, the Chassid promise not to read it, but finally reasoned that he was not allowed to read it because he was not a student of Kabbalah. But since they were students of Kabbalah, it would be only right that they should further their studies by opening the... Uh, the seam and reading the Kabbalistic formulas that they were sure was written on that note. And so they did. They opened it up and they read it. And they were stunned by what they saw. Written on the note was one sentence. It said, open for him the gates of righteousness, signed Levi Yitzchak ben Sar. There was no Kabbalah, and there was no magical formulas, not even mystical formulas. It was the wish and the words of a tzaddik that are always obeyed. He says, and so it was. Along a similar line, <clears throat> When the Alter Rebbe, Shnei Zalman of Ladi, began to teach the philosophy of Chabad, he insisted that people actually study and become knowledgeable in the teachings of Hasidus, and that miracles, which people came to expect from 
holy men. Um, the Baal Shem Tov had performed endless numbers of miracles. But the Alter Rebbe insisted that this was not his style and that he wasn't uh, into doing miracles and that what he was what he was all about and what he insisted and demanded uh, from his Hasidim is the study and the understanding and the application of the teachings of Hasidus. There was a woman who had a very serious problem and wanted to bring it to the Alter Rebbe. But it was a very busy time of the year and she couldn't get an appointment. So she went to see the Alter Rebbe's wife, the Rebbetzin, and told her of the seriousness of her problem. The Alter Rebbe's wife, the Rebbetzin, suggested that she write her problem down on a piece of paper and give it to her young son who could easily slip into the crowd and make his way to the front of the room and have her son hand the note to the Alter Rebbe and that way she will receive his blessing. Now this boy had his own problems. He was mute and hadn't spoken a word all his life. The mother followed the Debitson's advice. She wrote her problem down on the paper, gave it to her son, and said, bring this note to the Alter Rebbe and hand it to him. The boy found a way to, 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 to crawl through the crowd and under the tables and make his way up to the, to the Alter Rebbe. And he handed the Alter Rebbe the note during one of the breaks in the, in the talks and the proceedings. The Alter Rebbe read the note and said to the boy, go tell your mother to do the following, or to go to a certain place where, where her problem will be solved. The boy went and told his mother. The mother almost fainted. The boy had never spoken a word in his life. And so she went off to follow the advice of the Rebbe, and her problem was solved. But someone approached the Alta Rebbe and said, you said you don't do miracles. How did you make this little boy talk? And the Alta Rebbe said, I didn't know he was mute. So again we see that the miracles performed by the truly holy and great uh, leaders is not a conscious thing where they decide to do a miracle. It rather comes from the fact that their, their will is pure and selfless and so what they ask for and what they demand happens. Nature obeys holiness. And that's what it means when God created light on the first day and he created uh, grass and trees and uh, animals and on each day except for Monday, God said it is good. He saw the light and it was good. He saw what he had made and it was good. What was good about trees? What was good about animals? 
the Torah is saying that nature is good. In what way is nature good? Good seems to be a moral uh, term. How do you apply a moral term to a tree? It can be a healthy tree, it can be a big tree, it can be uh, the fruit of the tree can be delicious, but can it be a good tree? And the answer is, there is a goodness in nature in that nature obeys holiness. It facilitates holiness. And so when the Alta Rebbe said to this boy, go tell your mother, it simply happened because that's what he said. Didn't even know he was performing a miracle. One of the most inspiring stories happened more recently. And this was soon after the Six-Day War, I believe, when the, uh, a diplomat from Israel was visiting with the Rebbe in Brooklyn. At the end of their long conversation, the Rebbe said to this diplomat, when are you going back to Israel? And he said, tomorrow. And the Rebbe smiled and said, what's the hurry? Stay a little longer. And the man said, thank you very much, and left. He was driving back to Manhattan when his driver asked him what, what, had, what had they spoken about, what did the Rebbe say? And he said, well, a lot of, most of it, much of it was strategic um, military things that he cannot repeat. But he said, the Rebbe is such a gentleman. He asked me when I'm leaving and I said, tomorrow, and the Rebbe says, stay a little longer. He's so nice. The driver, being a little more familiar with the Rebbe and, and Hasidim, said, if the Rebbe asked you to stay and not go back so soon, surely you're going to, you're going to take that seriously and you're, and you're going to stay. And he said, no, I hadn't thought of that. I thought the Rebbe was just being polite. And he said, that's not the way the things are with a Rebbe. It wasn't idle talk. If he says to stay, I think you should stay. And so thinking it over, he decided that he would do that. And he canceled his flight and rebooked a flight for the next week.